Okay, so this morning, I want to jump right into, uh, into this. Uh, I think what I have is pretty short, uh, sweet, and to the point. Simple, but, but it, like an important message, you know? Uh, and I'm going I'm to try for 30 minutes, so we'll see what happens. But we're going to be in the book of Luke. Uh, so if you want to open your Bibles, I spent last Sunday putting some Bibles uh, under a few of those chairs, so you should have some down there. Um, I just believe that we're in a time right now, I really, truly believe this, we're in a time right now that God is saying to prepare. Uh, I did not see Amber's, Pastor Amber's video before this, but come on, that's a good word, and yes and amen. <laughs> so I think we're always, like, to, to some degree, we're, we're always asked to be preparing, right, uh, in God's kingdom. But, but I just feel, and I've been feeling for uh, a little bit, uh, that it's something different, you know, something specific. And so... I'd like to try to take a look at maybe three different examples, just in one little part in the scripture. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Luke 5, but the intention is to, to get at one thing, and that is preparation. Because um, when you prepare for something, I think it's usually helpful to have some expectations set, right? Expectations, and um, those, can, those can be different. But think about, like, if you're going on a camping trip, okay, well... Uh, where are we going? Where are we staying? What kind of camping are we doing? How many nights? What the, what's the weather going to be like? If you're planning for a party, are we uh, serving a full meal? Is it like finger food? How many people are coming? That kind of thing. And so I was thinking about, okay, what kind of stuff do we plan for? And I, I thought of another one, uh, having a baby. <laughs> having a baby uh, is a tough one, right? Like you can get supplies and diapers and clothes and, and paint the nursery and get the crib put together. And you can even find out if it's a boy or a girl, which is, in my opinion, pretty awesome. You can take classes. That's what I've heard. We, we never did that, actually. But there's some things also that you just can't really prepare for in life. Is that true? I think it is. Is that a, Okay. So I was remembering yesterday when our first child, uh, Cooper, was born. We were clueless in our 20s. And uh, I just I had some flashbacks, like, in the, in the delivery room. I nearly passed out. <laughs> like, I was as close as I've ever, ever been, uh, just trying to, hmm, you're doing fine, babe. Just horrified, terrified. And, you know, we had a baby boy. And Beth is exhausted. I'm like, babe, you... You think you had it bad? I had to watch that. No? Nothing? Okay. No, but seriously, after uh, all this craziness, I very distinctly remember uh, changing Cooper's diaper for the first time. Here we go again, right? <laughs> this is life, though. Like, these are, the, these are the facts of life. So I changed his diaper for the first time. I was already terrified, this tiny little human being, tiny little human being. You're already fully in love with. I felt like if I sneeze, he's going to break in half. Like that, that, it was really scary for me. And this was going to be my first diaper. So for anyone that's been through this traumatic first diaper change, you know, at that point, I think I had four or five nieces and nephews, but I was still, you know, I'm like, here you go, big sis. <laughs> this one stinks a little bit. So I hadn't changed a diaper yet. And, and if, if you've been through this, a newborn, you understand it's something different, their cry. Like they're cold, they're shaking, they're crying. It's not a normal cry. It's something more like a baby raccoon, like being pulled apart by two dogs. That's more, more akin to, to what it sounds like. You know what I'm talking about. It could shake your soul. Like, nobody warned me, though, about this part of changing a diaper. Uh, it is called uh, meconium. Any of you 
mamas out there, meconium. Uh, it's, if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. Like I'm telling you right now, just wait for the end of the story. Do not Google it. So I'm sorry that we're talking about this really. Again, here we are, but, but just so you know, or as a refresher, meconium is the first kind of substance, the number two, right? Not the number two baby, but you get where I'm going. The number two substance that comes out of a newborn baby. And again, I was totally unaware, like painfully unaware until I became instantly aware and, and didn't know this was a thing. But if you don't know, it looks like someone poured a big bucket of like hot tar on your little baby's lower regions. It's horrifying looking. And so I was, had no, had no forewarning. I just pulled this thing off and I was like, ah, babe, what is this? What's happening? Why did we do this? Why did we do this? Who has babies anyways? And so I was frozen and then all of a sudden this little booger peed on me. He peed all over me. I swear, that, that is a true story. Uh, the only time he ever did that, but it happened the very first time. I almost jumped out the window of this hospital room. That's, if you know me, that's, like, that's as mortifying as it gets, I'm telling you. And thank God for my wife. But I guess my point is, there's some things in life that you can't really prepare for. <laughs> there's some things that you can't really prepare for, uh, but knowing what to expect can still be very helpful. Is that right? Like, it, it, it doesn't get you all the way there, I mean, I could have known what to expect and having a, a, a hazmat suit on would have only like lessened the blow a little bit in that, in that case. But a little information probably would have been helpful. You know, I was like, this baby might not, I don't know. Um, so let's gently move forward, right? That's a little transition warning. Uh, I don't know why you guys made me talk about that, but um, preparation is about getting ready. Uh, it's, it's, it's getting to a state of being prepared. And, and honestly, again, I think we're heading into a pretty significant time in history, uh, in world history, not, not just based on like the current events, which is certainly relevant, right? Like a significant time in the kingdom of God history. I, I really believe that. And I think there's this kind of uh, almost like holy unrest <laughs> in a lot of us. And, 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 and it's not always a comfortable thing, but it's kind of a good thing. And so I don't believe it's possible to be completely prepared, right? To be totally prepared, but there's something about studying and praying and listening, like, God, what are you doing? I know you are up to something, right? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings and queens to seek them out, right? You're, you're a royal priesthood, so that, that includes you guys, right? Um, and so it is for our glory to seek those out. And... I think that brings this helpful kind of expectation. And so in line with the, the growth series that we're on and, and have been on, and I think has been amazing, I think a good label or maybe just like a summary statement of, of, of what we're getting at here is expecting to grow, prepare for growth. Expecting to grow, prepare for, for growth. Pretty simple, right? But again, I'm talking about kingdom growth. I'm talking about growing the kingdom, growing in the kingdom, and the goal is raising our awareness, I think. Raising our awareness and our understanding and, and, and bringing our expectations in line with this kind of kingdom growth because it can be quite different from other types of growth. So everything is in the book of Luke today. Everyone knows Luke is the best gospel. That's clear as can be. 
that's not even an argument. Um, but if you want to jump in, it's, it's Luke chapter 5. We're going to start at the very beginning. And this is, a, this is kind of a crazy time. Jesus is pretty much fresh off his baptism, right? Fresh off his baptism. Uh, he's led into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan. Uh, he comes out starts his ministry, goes to his hometown, gets kicked out of the synagogue. They try to throw him off the hill. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And then he starts casting out demons left and right. He's healing people and he's preaching. This is revival. <laughs> like this is the revival we're talking about. This is the kingdom of God at hand. <laughs> like Jesus is making some noise in a kingdom kind of way. We pick up here, right? Math, or excuse me, Luke 5 chapter one, and, and Jesus is calling his first disciples, very first disciples, Peter and the, and the, and the sons of thunder, as they're called sometimes. But I'm gonna, I'll paraphrase some of this, but here's the deal. Jesus is walking around, crowds are starting to gather. The text says that they're pressing in on him because they wanna hear the word of God. And he was standing by the lake of Gene Soret. Little known fact, that's Forrest Gump's favorite lake, Gene Soret. See, see what I did there? Somebody, one person got it. Uh, and so Jesus sees two boats by the lake, and they're empty boats. And then there's some fishermen off to the side that, that says they're cleaning their nets. So they're calling it a day. Any fishermen in here? Awesome. Cool. I'm not, but I've talked to a lot of fishermen. Anyways, like the fish aren't biting <laughs> that day, right? They're just, they're not biting. So they're like, all right, forget it. Let's clean the nets and, and get out. And Jesus, I think as only Jesus can kind of do, sees the boats, sees the guys, gets in a boat, <laughs> uninvited. Happens to be Simon Peter's boat. And he says, hey, can we, can we just push out a little off the shore, right? Like, come on, Peter. And... Uh, Keep in mind, Peter does not know Jesus yet. He has not met Jesus. So Peter's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's push off. And, and, and Jesus sits there, gives them a little space, and he starts teaching this crowd that had been following him. And so he's teaching them truth. And then Jesus uh, turns after teaching, and he says to Simon Peter, put out, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So they get a break, he gets them back in the water. Jesus is doing something and he's like, let's go deeper. Let's go out there, cast your nets again. Cast your nets again. And Peter, not knowing Jesus, says, hey, we've toiled all night and we got nothing. We've been doing this. Can anybody relate to that? Like we've tried that already. We've done that before, been there, done that, man, doesn't work, right? That kind of thing. But he says, but at your word, I will. But at your word, I will. But at your word, I will. Been at it all night. Like, hey, I, this is my occupation. Peter's like, this is what I do for a living, man. It's not, no, no, you're not getting any fish. But at your word, I will. Good for you, Peter. And when they had done this, it says they enclosed a large number of fish. This is like a massive number of fish in these nets. And the nets start to break. Their nets were breaking. He's trying to haul this thing in. Think about these nets, like this is what they use every day. There's probably nothing else that Peter uses more than 
the nets. This is his livelihood. And all of a sudden, like this, they, you might have to patch them, but he's saying they're, they're ripping apart at the seams. These nets are like not working anymore. They're not working anymore. And so signals to his partners like, oh, hey, y'all, come, come, come help. And these guys come over and they get in both of the boats. They pull in the load. And what's it say? <laughs> Fill both the boats so that they began to sink. Their nets are breaking. The boat begins to sink out in the deep water. And you get this sense this is a new kind of load. This is a new experience. Like their lives are on the line. Their livelihoods are on the line in this moment. So this is almost more than they could handle. It's, this is pressing them to the max. And you get a sense of that when Peter next sees what's happening and falls on his knees in front of Jesus and says, depart from me. Like, you got to go. I'm a sinful man. Think about it. Man, my whole life is falling apart. My nets are breaking. The boats are shaking. The objects of his livelihood, the, the, the matters of his every day is falling apart right before his eyes. The world as he knows it is falling apart around him. The normal, the day-to-day. -day. I'm telling you, when kingdom growth comes, things start breaking. <laughs> and things will start to be shaken. That's just how it works. And, and I think that we should expect this, right? If we're, if we're wanting and praying for revival, you better expect it. I'm telling you right now, uh, we don't have to like it. But it is for our good for those things to be shaken that can be shaken. So what remains is that that cannot be shaken, right? That's the word of God. That's what it says. So it says, if we're prepared, you shouldn't be surprised. Do not be surprised, my brethren, when the fiery trial comes to your doorstep. That's the word of God too. It's like, oh, I don't have to love that. I, I, I don't. I don't love that concept, but I can embrace it. And use it as an expectation, especially if revival is something I believe for, that I yearn for, and that I'm praying for. You better expect it. There's no other way to get it. So here's the takeaway for me. When the normal starts to shake, when your normal starts to shake, anybody have their normal shaken already a little bit? I have, <laughs> big time. When the normal starts to shake, the place to be is on your knees. When the normal starts to shake, the place to be is on our knees before the king of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. He, he, he doesn't get shaken. <laughs> Jesus is not worried about it. So that's the place to be. Amen. Okay. I'm not fishing for any man. amens. Uh, the next one, okay. Still in chapter five, I'm going to jump down to verse 27. So you're skipping like a paragraph or so. And uh, this is the next disciple. So they got the first three. After this, he went out, Jesus went out, and he saw a tax collector named Levi, or Matthew, same guy, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. I like to believe there's a few things that happened in between those two sentences. Like that makes me more comfortable. Jesus walks by, he says, follow me. He gets up, leaves everything and follows him. What? That makes my faith look not very good, to be honest. So let's just maybe hopefully assume there's something else that happened in between there. But nonetheless, he gets up and he goes. And Levi, or Matthew, 
brings Jesus to his house, makes a great feast. They're having a party. And it says that a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table were with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these are the religious leaders. These are like the uber self-righteous, maybe the ones that say, I am super spiritual, super duper, duper, duper spiritual. And I follow all the laws. How much do you tithe every week? (laughs) These guys say, what's going on, man? Why do you, Jesus, by the way, son of God, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Tax collectors and sinners. Ugh, gross. These guys are like the meconium of society. That's what, they, that's what they are, right? The despised, the loathed, the shunned. Fun fact, there ain't no revival without repentance. Look it up. <laughs> revival doesn't exist without repentance and there ain't no repentance if you don't have sinners, okay? Doesn't happen. If you want revival, you're gonna have to jump in with sinners, right? That's just the truth. Jesus answered them, this is verse 31 and 32, those who are well have no need of a physician. Like, you all good? Then we're good. That's fine, you know. If you are all good, then that's fine. But those who are sick, those that need healing, the physician is here. (laughs) Here, this is what I came for. Are you sick? You need healing? You need help? You don't have it all figured out? That's why I came. (laughs) That's good. Not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus says, well, I'm eating with them because that's why I came. And also, because this guy right here, the dude's house that I'm at, well, I've chosen him to help change the world. (laughs) There are gonna be people reading this text that he documents in 2000 years. And they're not gonna be looking at me eating with sinners and tax collectors. They're gonna be looking at you like, the one and only son of God was right there in front of your face. And you were the hypocrite. So, History judges things a little different than we think and certainly than what the religious order thinks in real time. This is what the the good news is all about. And let me tell you something, try and follow this. This is pretty, this is pretty deep. Where there's sin, there's sinners. And where the sinners are, there's sin. You guys got, are you with me? It makes sense, right? I mean, if you think about it, I'm afraid that we may have forgotten these facts in the church. I'm afraid we may have forgotten them. And if we haven't forgotten them as theology or in thought, maybe we've forgotten them in doing, in action. Well, why? Let's be honest, like sin is a mess. Is that true? (laughs) Sin's a mess, it's no fun, sinners are messy. Can we be a church that welcomes in and embraces the mess? That's a real question, that's a real question. If you want revival, it's gonna get messy, period, end of story. I'm so glad that you set it up for me, Pastor Amber, that's that's so good. Couple more scriptures, just so we're all reminded, all on the same page. Check ourselves when we're watching somebody walk through these doors that needs Jesus just like you did. Romans chapter three says, what then? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, all, everybody say all for me. That was good. 
All are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. In other words, on your own accord. Romans 11, for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy, now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, church, they may now receive mercy. For God has committed all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's, that's in the word, Proverbs 29 and 10. Who can say, church, who can say, I have made my own heart pure? Who can say it? I am clean from my sin on my own accord. Next verse, unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination, an abomination to the Lord. That is not a word that, that the Lord throws around. Abomination is not the category you want to be in with God. So Christians, I'm talking to you. That right there, that's the word of God. That is the word of God, right? Are you with me? It's easy to forget, but I think it's pretty important to remember. I think it's pretty important to remember that you need and needed a savior too. Still do today, the gospel is messy, but we're called to comfort others with the comfort we have been comforted with by God. It's a lot of comforts, but let's remember that when it's uncomfortable because that is inevitable if you're mixing in, if you're getting involved in the true gospel true kingdom work, let alone revival, it's going to get uncomfortable. I promise you. And I think that we should get comfortable with that. So the third one, the last one, and then we'll wrap it up. I'm going to go to, uh, to Luke 7. It's going to start in, in verse 18. Who's heard of uh, John the Baptist? Okay. <laughs> Participation. John the Baptist is in prison, okay? John the Baptist is in prison. Uh, the disciples of John come to him in prison, and John says, hey, y'all, what's Jesus up to? They tell him, he goes, I need you to take Jesus a message for me. Take Jesus a message. <laughs> ask him, ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Yikes. And the men go to Jesus and say that. The very next verse says Jesus in that hour, in that hour, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. I think John the Baptist is like, are you going to get me out of prison? <laughs> are you going to get me out of prison? And Jesus starts Boom, boom, boom. This is what I came to do. This is what I came to do. And then he answers. Jesus answers. Oh, gosh, Jesus is so good. What a baller. Go and tell John. It's not a good start. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Listen, 
I'm not getting on John the Baptist. This guy was bolder than I could even imagine someone being in the flesh. Honestly, uh, he was chosen. This guy, of all people that have ever lived, he was chosen to prepare the way for Jesus' coming. He was chosen by Jesus himself. Jesus himself said, JB, that's what Jesus called John the Baptist. And he said, you're going to baptize me. He baptized Jesus and, and was there. John the Baptist was there. Jesus up, heavens open. He sees the Holy Spirit in bodily form descend like a dove and rest upon Jesus the Christ and the King. Fast forward. I don't know how long. It's not longer than three years. I can tell you that. And all of a sudden, it's changing. Jesus said of John the Baptist, he's the greatest prophet that ever came from woman. In, in other words, I think from all of the Old Testament, like John, John the Baptist is the greatest. Jesus doesn't throw that around. But here's the thing. I don't think Jesus was doing it quite the way that John the Baptist thought he should be doing it. Or that he would do it. I mean, any, does that resonate with anybody? Oh, God, I just, oh, I'm, and I'm not making fun of that. That's me, I don't know, every 12 hours or so. That's okay if we recognize, listen, God doesn't always do it your way. Because right here, John was feeling pressure. He was being persecuted. He was literally thrown in prison. We all feel like that pretty regularly. But despite everything he knew, despite all of the great things that he had done and seen, we can't deny those. He had major, major doubts. And according to Jesus, he was offended. John the Baptist was offended by the way Jesus was going about God's work. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I want to see revival. I really do want to see revival. If you get tired of hearing me say that, Ryan is here. You can talk to him after service because I don't really care. I'm going to keep talking about revival until I can't talk anymore. Revival will not look like we expect it to. God loves to break through the walls of our expectations. You know that, right? God loves to bust out of the boxes that we try to put him in. That's a fact. Think about it. Has God ever moved in your life in a way you didn't think was how he was going to do it? Anyone. I mean, anyone? Oh, God, no, I told it. Anyone. Yeah, it happens. It's real. Uh, or at... Has something ever moved in your life and you're like, oh, ooh, this, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? This can't be you. And then not in the moment, usually with the benefit of hindsight, you look back and you think, oh, that was you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I can't, I couldn't count how many times that's happened in my life. Some of them have taken uh, well over a decade. So that's okay. It's time for us to prepare our minds and hearts for the unexpected and not be offended when it comes. I'm telling you right now, there is no greater way, none, no greater way to cut short or prevent entirely, altogether, a revival 
then for God's people to be offended by what God is doing and how he is doing it. It is the thing. That is what didn't allow sprinkler, uh, sparklers, sparklers to go together. It is not God's heart for revival to end, but to continue and to flood the whole earth. But I'm telling you, when, when the church people say that can't be God, that can't be God. You are quenching the Holy Spirit. He moves in mysterious, powerful, mind-boggling ways. If you want revival, if you want to prepare for revival, then prepare to have your mind blown and not be offended by how God moves. That's it. If you've been walking with Jesus for any amount of time, you know God simply does not answer every prayer or respond to every request. But when I'm not sure what's happening, this doesn't happen very often. <laughs> when I'm not sure what's happening, what I know I know gives me rest. I don't know what's going on. What do I know that I know? What do I know that I know? I don't need to look for something new. I go back to the truth. Think about it, right? Like, well, God's story starts good for two chapters, no sin. Like the, two, two chapters, perfect creation, two chapters in, oh my gosh. I don't know how many, maybe 12, he's like, every thought, every intention, all ways of man are evil. <laughs> it, it gets ugly quick. But guess what? Flip to the back, flip to the back, the last two Chapters are also good. It's like the end is the beginning of permanent perfection. That's how it ends. The whole middle, the whole middle is God working all things for good. Everybody say all things. Come on, come on. All things for good. That's your middle. If you need a scripture for today, for tomorrow, for this season, God works everything, every single thing, every single thing, even what the, the enemy meant for evil, for good. He turns it into an opportunity, he turns it into a miracle, he turns it into a blessing so we can stand firm knowing, all right, <laughs> this looks a little weird. God, you got it. Don't be offended. So the point is by using these examples, I think we all need our expectations of what is right, challenged. If we're being honest with ourselves, like, we all face that. We have all done it. That's okay, but we can become a little more self-aware of what we think is right. And we should be very careful of what we are rejecting, okay? We, we have these reactions. We have these responses. We have these experiences. I've seen that before. And this is what that person ended up doing. <laughs> you know, you, you can't judge God's future based on the past of sinful human interactions. You just can't can't do it, at least not in a healthy way. How God moves, what Jesus did everywhere he went, what happened in every single major outpouring of God's spirit, every single time people rejected God, every single time. I've been, I've been reading revival history for uh, quite some time, like not the encyclopedia ones where they leave all the weird stuff out, 
Find the weird stuff. It's there every single time, every single time, every single time. And every single time a revival stops because people say, this ain't God. And if it is, I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm just saying, let's have our minds transformed and not be conformed to this world and the patterns of the past, but let God in to set his power for our future. That's what I'm saying. So expect the unexpected, the best things in life, just like that first diaper change. I'm so thankful for that baby boy who's now seven. The best things in life are unexpected. I'm telling you, they're unexpected. And they come knocking on our door, so let's expect to grow. Expect it and prepare for growth. Prepare for growth. Norms will continue to shake. It's okay. Normal methods will start to break. Hey, why, why isn't this working anymore? Why is it, why can't we have church the same old way we used to? I, trust me, I feel it too. Yikes. Well, God, I, I don't know, but God's gonna work it for good. I can tell you that right now. I don't know what he's doing. And so when that starts to happen, let's just get on our knees before Jesus. When it's more than we can take. I'm telling you, that's it, that's, that's it. Uh, things will get uncomfortable, the gospel is messy. Sinners are required, <laughs> sinners are required. And if we cannot be a church that welcomes in the mess, we will not be a church that gets to participate in the kingdom's future success. We have to, we have to allow in the mess or we're gonna be like a lot of those empty church buildings across the world. Last thing, when you just don't know, Remember what you know, you know. When you just don't know, remember what you know, you know. It's that simple. Um, I hope that, that at least one piece of that touched your heart today. Uh, I want to ask you to uh, just say a quick prayer. And then I'm going to have, uh, I think Pastor Amber is going to come up and just give the final announcements. And we'll get out of here at, oh, 33 minutes. Okay, not bad. Can you guys, uh, actually, why don't you stand up? Could you stand up with me? I like that. You don't have to, but it would be great if you did. God can move with you sitting down too. Father, uh, thank you for this gathering today. Lord, I think we're, we're becoming ever more grateful at some of the things that we used to, uh, to just take for granted. Even just coming in this building, the, the privilege, the opportunity to come here, to worship together, to love on one another. And, and we don't know exactly what you're doing, but we, we say here today in Jesus' name, yes, we want to be a part. We want to be a part. Oh, we, we need our minds transformed. We need that revelation from you that, that really breaks down those borders. We all have them, Lord, that breaks out of the box. And, and we don't want to be caught. We don't want to be the people standing in place being offended by what you're doing. Holy Spirit, you work in some wild, mysterious ways. I ask that even now, that even today, that even this week, you start doing some wildly awesome things amongst this congregation, those watching online where we just get wowed and be like, oh my goodness, I didn't know God was like that. Just keep shaking us up. We need more of you. We want more of you. We ask for you in Jesus' name that we can receive you, that we can get your wisdom to know what to do with the revelation that you bring. Lord, I want to bless everyone in this church to go out there in this world, to not be ashamed of needing a Savior. <laughs> we have been saved if we give our lives to Jesus. And just so you know, I'm going to call on the prayer team forward. If 
you don't think your life is right with Jesus, all he says is come to me, turn to me, believe in me, and you're safe. Like your future is secure. It's that simple. It's not that simple, but it is that simple. That's what Jesus says. And so if you want to do that, please come forward today. And if not, I just bless you each and every uh, one of you with that revelation, with that new softness of heart, with a new desire to pray, to pray earnestly, to pray unceasingly. We ask for more miracles, for more evidence of your power, Lord. Your power transforms the world. And we want to be a part of that, not to show off, but just to say, this is our God. This is who he is. It's so good. We need more of you, Lord. Come in Jesus' name. Amen.